Day High Flyers. Do you want to get into wholesaling real estate but don't know where to start? Our guest today is Steve Trang. Steve's part of Real Estate Disruptors. The Disruptors are big players in wholesaling and have a huge footprint in podcasting and on YouTube. Find out how he started in real estate and how working with others helped him to grow in the space. Find out that and more today. We provide real estate investors the tools to achieve generational wealth. Welcome to the Aim High Podcast. I'm your host, Bud Evans. Good day, High Flyers. Welcome to the Aim High Podcast. Today, I am joined with Steve Trang. Steve is one of the sales disruptors. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for asking and thank you for having me. It's a pleasure having you on here. You've been at this for a while. So do me a favor, give me a quick introduction. I've been in the business for over 15 years. Started like a lot of other people in our space, reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad back in 2005, 2006, getting the idea of rental properties and getting a passive income to offset your active income and all that wonderful stuff. Problem is I have shiny object syndrome, went completely against what he said. And instead of buying rental properties or in the course of trying to buy rental properties, met a real estate broker. So that was interesting. And then went down that road for like nine years. I call it the hidden deck, the lost decade, right? So I wasn't actually investing again until many years after reading the book because we all know we're supposed to get in the passive income. As entrepreneurs, we tend to get distracted. And that, that was the classic case of being distracted. That's the nature of the entrepreneur, right? Trying to find yeah. the next best thing. So how did you start in real estate? Obviously, you were into the brokers, but how did you actually get into what you're doing now? I do a whole bunch of different things. We do our sales training. We train hundreds of people every single month. We wholesale in the Phoenix market, a handful of transactions here and there. And we have our title company and we do traditional real estate as well. And so how I got here was just screwing up over and over again, trying to figure out the next step. There's a lot of two steps forward, one step back in this journey as a business owner. I did the realtor thing. Eventually I got into coaching and in coaching, I started trying to find motivated sellers to get listings. I ended up buying their houses because they were so motivated. And then because they were so motivated, I was flipping their houses. And along the way, I ran out of money. And because I ran out of money, I could no longer take title to these. So I had to sell them to someone else before I closed on it. So that's when I started wholesaling. Just It's this story of just keep moving forward and the path will, will reveal itself. We have this idea. Here's my 10-point plan. And the reality is very rarely can we see past step two or step three. And so you just got to keep pressing forward and the path will reveal itself like a fog of war. You can't have this <laughs> predetermined ending. You just got to move in that general direction. And eventually you'll get to where you are, but you can't plan it precisely. Tell me about your first wholesale deal. My first wholesale deal well, it was just property I just ran out of money for, right? So after buying a few properties, I met someone and it was basically a lady in Scottsdale. And it was basically me versus a homevestor guy. And talking to her, I was trying to figure out what she needed. And she was selling because the house was too big and she was moving into an apartment. Really in connecting with her and answering her questions, what surprised me is she went with me, even though... I wasn't the highest payer. And she just said to me, I just like you and trust you more. So I know the other guy will pay more, but I just feel more comfortable with you. So I'm going to go with you. So I contracted it and I 
wholesaled it to my cousin who was also, it was still is in the real estate game. He's a flipper. I wholesale it to him for 10 and come to find out on closing day, he wholesaled to someone else for 17,000. I was like, oh man, had I just been better at this, I would have gotten even more. That is what it is. I, there's an education there and just realizing that it was at that time you realize, wow, there, there's a lot of value in making sure you, a lot of the other buyers and the value in relationships, right? Because who do I have? I have my cousin. Who my cousin have? Everybody else. So that was my first, very first wholesale deal. We always say it. Your network is your net worth. So. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. He was more valuable in that transaction than I was. That's just the way it is. Talk about your current projects because you have gone, come a long way since your first wholesale. Yeah. Which project do you want to talk about? Because we got... On top of everything else, we do media and podcasting and everything else. So which particular project do you want to talk about? Yeah, you've exploded into the media space, but let's keep it into real estate. What are you currently doing? So what we're doing in the real estate space predominantly is wholesaling. And uh, mm-hmm. we slowed down quite a bit. Last year was our best year. This year is not as good as last year. We joke that Phoenix is the leads the market. So when we're doing really well, we're doing really well. Right. Yeah. This is the, there's a reason why this is the guru capital of the country. Right. When we're not doing well, wow, it's like a, it's like we got napalm down here. So we had we've had a rough year, but all in all, what we're doing actively is wholesaling. We're cold calling homeowners. We're pulling lists, talking to them, find out, finding the people that want to sell. And when we find the people that want to sell, you know, we schedule appointments, meet with them, figure out what the scenario is. Eight or nine times out of 10, we can't help them. Like they either want too much, they're unrealistic, whatever. And that's just the nature of the beast. One out of 10, we'll contract it and we'll do one of a handful of things. We'll either wholesale it, close on it as a cash purchase, do innovation, do a creative deal where we've only done one so far this year, but we're planning on doing a lot more in 2023, or we'll refer it over to a realtor to list it on MLS. Having a handful of exit strategies has been predominantly. Or not predominantly, it's been extremely this year in 2022. And it goes back to what you said earlier, relationships. So what's on the horizon? You've expanded from your real estate, your wholesaling, and now you're working on the media, the coaching courses. So for the media side, it's a really interesting phenomenon. We've been podcasting for four and a half years now, right? So we started in May of 2018. That was the very first episode. And we've been pretty consistent every week better part of four and a half years. I think we've only missed like maybe 10, right? Wednesdays that we've been doing this. And so there's so much value here. And there's something that's interesting that happens. Like when I first started my brokerage, at some point I had a brokerage too, right? When I first started my brokerage, I started a brokerage purely out of greed, right? I just want to make more money, right? Tired of paying my broker a split. And I'm tired of him overlooking all my advertising and having him sign off on it. I was like, I'm done with this. I want to keep more of my money. What I found out was that it's actually not true. You actually make less money as a broker. You're better off just paying a split to somebody else. But in part of me starting this for greed, what I found was that it is way more fulfilling to help other people. Mm-hmm. And so I was mentoring realtors at, for the longest time to help them grow their business. So part of having the podcast is I just get to reach more people and help more people. And because I'm able to reach more people and help more people, like, I get these testimonials. I get these messages, right? At least once a week of, you helped me do this. You helped me do that. I'm a millionaire because of this. Hey, I just closed my first wholesale deal because of your podcast. Like, 
it is so incredibly rewarding. And what I love about media is that I get to impact more people. Now, make no mistake, if there was zero revenue from it, I don't think I can keep doing it, right? There's, yeah. There has to be return on time. But on top of everything else, it is incredibly fulfilling. So that's what we're doing media. Our intent is to go even harder on media in 2023, which might sound crazy because you saw what we did in 2022, right? And how much effort we are. We got five guys now on the media team. As far as the education side, we've been doing really well on sales training for real estate investors. And we're, we're thinking either Q1 or Q2 of next year is when we go general or we're going to general sales versus just real estate. And the reason why is that sales is sales. But like what works for us will work in any environment, any industry. We know it because it works on uh, our team members. It works at the stores. It works on your kids. Sales is sales. You got to be able to communicate what you want, why it's important. And you have to understand the other person and why what's important to them, whatever their position is, why it's important to them. And if you can't convey that, you're going to be living a less than optimal life, right? So we're going to teach people how to overcome objections, how to avoid, I got to think about it and everything else that occurs in sales. I will see that's the horizon for 2023. I tell my clients and my students this all the time. You're always selling. If you're not selling a product, you're selling yourself. So get used to it. Think about it, right? If your students are actively buying properties to add to their portfolio, a good part of adding properties to their portfolio is impressing upon people that are supplying your properties why they should call you and impressing upon your your private money partners why you and a lot of that could be done through trust and rapport and all those other things i'm not saying those are things that are not important but you also want to make sure you're doing everything you can to understand what's important to them every person you talk to that you're borrowing money from wants to know what's the security how is it safe how is it secure how do i know that i'm going to get my money back all these other things and if you're not asking the right questions or answering their questions in a way that's satisfactory to them, because they might ask a question and four other people that you borrowed money from ask you that same exact question, your mm-hmm. answer might have been satisfactory for those four other people. But when you answer this fifth person's question, you might not understood the context behind that question. You might not actually understand why that specific question was important to him. And if you fail to answer the question the right way, instead of, yeah, I'll call me on your next deal. It might be like, yeah, you know what? Let me think about it. You know what? Let me talk to my wife, make sure she's comfortable investing in real estate. So it's everywhere. What is one thing that you learned as your wealth increased? Man, money doesn't make you that much happier. There's a point that making any more money actually doesn't do anything for you. We talk about going from 20,000 a year to 40,000 a year. It's substantial. Like your life is substantially better, right? But making 70,000 a year to 100,000 a year, your life really isn't that much better. So I think for a lot of us, we've got to figure out why we do what we do. What's important to us, which part of it, by the way, I think a lot of it is linked to how you were raised, maybe some childhood trauma. I'll give you this stupid example. Like I got in the argument with my wife at the shoe store. Growing up, I was poor. She was poor. What do our parents always do? Buy shoes that were too big that you can grow into. Normal thing, particularly for immigrant families. I, as a kid said, when I grow up, I for sure am never going to buy shoes that are too big for my kids. I don't know why, but that was one of my things. So for my kids, we don't buy shoes that are too big. I don't know. We got in a fight about it at the the shoe store. But I'm bringing this up is that a lot of the reasons why we do what we do 
is linked back to our childhood. And so I would say money doesn't make you happier. You got to figure out what your purpose is because that's what's going to really drive your happiness, not the money. Good day, High Flyer. Being good at sales is not a natural talent. There is no it factor. Sales is identifying what a prospect needs, then providing the solution to their problem. And this is the process. Check out disruptors.com slash aim high, where sales disruptors are looking to make 100 millionaires this year. If you need help with your business, we can get you out of a jam or even help you get in started in real estate. Check us out at budevans.com. Thanks. And back to the show. Steve, let's move on to the soaring four. These are the same four questions that we ask that can help someone who's just starting out achieve new heights. What is one thing that you use to keep you motivated? So this is going to sound terrible. I actually got to see Charlie Munger talk about this, but comparison. And we were saying like, you got to find what makes you happy. One of the things that keeps me going is I see what's possible, right? So we talk about what we've done in media. I have a good friend, Ryan Pineda, and I see what he's doing in media, right? We see what's possible and that's what keeps us going. And it's not that I need to do this for me to be happy. It's just, I need to see it so that I know what's possible. And once I know what's possible, then I pull myself through that to, to fulfill what I believe is maximum potential. So that's what keeps me motivated. It's not the best answer for most people because most people fall into the comparison and comparison being the thief of joy. For me, I love mm-hmm. to compare because it shows me what's possible because I don't think I'm special. I really don't. I think what we see is possible. And once we see it's possible, then we can do it. Pulling Charlie Munger out of the hat. I did not expect that. Charlie Munger is Warren Buffett's partner in Berkshire Hathaway. What is one thing that you learned that completely changed your mindset? I think the abundance mindset for the first few years of my business, I want to say the first three years of my business, I was a scarcity mindset. And being a scarcity mindset person, you don't share everything you got. Hey, what's working for you? Don't worry about it. That was from 2007 to 2010 is how I operated. I, and I didn't believe any of the coaches because I bought, I believe all the coaches were selling me some snake oil, right? Because like, why would they sell it to me? Why would someone that's successful show me what's worked for him? That's a scarcity mindset. And yep. now a, a, after 2011, 2012, after being in coaching for a couple of years, uncovering and finding out that the most successful people are abundantly minded and share happily. That was like probably one of the biggest things for me. And I will share with the recession. I'm seeing some people operate in a slightly different attitude. They're not making the kind of money that they were making before. So it'd be interesting to see this abundance mindset culture we've had for the last few years, whether it stays as abundantly minded. So it'll be an interesting adventure to, to witness. One thing I always say is this business is more collaboration over competition. What tools do you use to keep you on track? Tools that keep me on track. I think on top of KPIs and everything else, I would say it's not even really about the numbers. It's really the, it's qualitative versus quantitative. It's really the relationship I have with my wife and my kids. Uh, Every day I get to drive my kids to school. So I would say, that's my KPI. Did I get to drive my kids to school this morning? That's really the only thing for me. This sounds ridiculous, but I really have everything I need in my life already. Everything right now above this is just gravy, right? So are we trying to do more? Absolutely. But I'm living a pretty good life right now. I would say that keeping track, quality time with my family, that's the single most important thing. 
Last question is what is one thing that if you had to start all over, you would change? I would have been a lot less cocky. And the reality is I was not coachable when I first got into this business. I knew everything, right? Like I always excelled at everything I did growing up, school, work, everything else. So I always excelled and I didn't feel like I needed help because I didn't. And that is a good attitude for an employee, perhaps. Not great, decent, right? Because you got a person that's resourceful and can figure it out. Terrible attitude for an entrepreneur. One of the worst possible attitudes you can have for an entrepreneur. And so what I wish for myself going back is if I could have been more humble in the beginning, right? It took three years of failure for me to finally (laughs) become humble. So I wish if there was anything I could change, I wish someone would have, I don't know how they would humble me sooner, but I wish that I wish I would have been humbled sooner because then there would have been a lot less failure and heartache early on in my business. I'm seeing a common thread though, through the entire time that you're you're working with other people, finding more benefit to working with other people and then finding that collaboration that brought you to where you are now. Absolutely. That's true. There is that thread. That is definitely a theme of this episode. I'm glad you pointed that because I completely missed it. I really do appreciate your time, Steve. I know you're a very busy guy. Thank you very much. If somebody wanted to reach out to you, can you do me a favor and let everyone know exactly how they would do that? Yeah. The best way to connect with us is a link down below, I believe in the description. Beyond that, there is Instagram at steve.trang. You can see all the craziness stuff that we post out there. And then we have the Real Estate Disruptors on YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. It's our podcast. We get to interview the best operators in the country. So it's it's an incredible honor that I get to facilitate that and meet some of the smartest people across the country. That's one of the benefits of being in this business is that you get to meet incredible people like you. Oh, thank you very much. Again, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Another great show, High Flyers. Remember, being good at sales is not a natural talent. There is no it factor. Sales is identifying what the prospect needs, then providing the solution to their problem. This is the process. Check out disruptors.com slash aim high, where sale disruptors are looking to make 100 millionaires. Until next we meet, aim high.